3: Hi everyone, it's part 2 of GigPod Rewind where we look back at season 2010 2011. And having looked at the downloads for part 1, it turns out that it's more than just myself and Rizzo that were actually interested in hearing about this particular season in Celtic history. So thanks for that, and here we go for the second part of this. As Rizzo would say, extravaganza. John, are you ready? Have you done any preparation? Have you taken any notes? And uh, also, I do believe it's a landmark episode.
4: It certainly is. Uh, hello, everybody. Hello, Stevie. It's episode 200. Yes, episode 200 of GigPod. And uh, the celebration is you're getting another episode. We're doing episode 201 next. But no, yep, this is episode 200. Thank you, everybody that's been with us every step of the way. I'm sure there's some truly demented people that have actually listened to all 200 episodes. I don't just mean you, but there will be people who have listened to them all, so... Happy anniversary to us and Happy Thanksgiving as well to all our American listeners because I know we've got a lot over there in the good old USA.
3: And uh, you're going to ding him a question, have you done any research or taken any notes? Because I know you're so unprofessional at these things and GigPod is a very unprofessional podcast John.
4: Well I watched some clips if that counts.
3: Uh, You were actually saying it's very hard to get highlights or any clips from them of course season 12-13 onwards that's when everything changed wasn't it
4: this season and the next season of course when we won the league that was before the the highlights get uploaded on the spfl youtube channel now you can watch every highlights every celtic game the next day but i mean back then it was rare i mean on bbc website there's loads of match reports for the games and they've got highlights but the clips aren't embedded which is annoying and i I know that there's a, a youtube channel called oven boy who's got playlists for like nearly every Celtic season in the last 15-20 like years, and he's got quite a lot of games, but there's still some missing, including some that we'll talk about on this podcast.
3: Yeah, see, there's a, a goal in particular that I was looking for. A couple of days ago, on the GigPod feed on Instagram, I posted up something where Chris Commons in the 12 13 season. <laughs> worked Hearts players into a shoot when he was keeping the ball up and he punted it back to them. I was actually looking for his goal against Hamilton and a win in early March 2011 as well, John. I actually managed to find it, but it was like a three second clip of a montage of all his goals at Celtic. And we are going to talk about Chris Commons, so why don't we kick it off here and really pay tribute to one of Celtic's best January signings. Scored in his debut, and when you look at his stats, John, 14 goals in 21 games in that season, second half of it. I mean, can you imagine if we'd signed him uh, back at the start of the season? Chances are that he could have been the difference in those games in winter that we had between the one point and three.
4: Hey, don't forget, Rangers wanted to buy him as well. It was a good old fashioned, old fun battle the old film used to exist then about who would sign him and uh, we won it and i know a lot of people don't like him now mostly because when he was on Sky he talked rubbish I think he's got a newspaper we'll column somewhere where he's talked rubbish and like he's one of the ex Celtic players that like sticks about and for some reason I don't know why because he loved it at Celtic like his first season especially it was absolutely brilliant second season uh, a different story we won't talk about that <laughs> hey, let's just see who fell out with somebody at Celtic and I mean he had it under good old Lenny he had another couple of great seasons where he just scored constantly it was a bit yeah a flat track bully really in the end because of course like this season like he was brilliant against rangers the next season he only played once against rangers i think and he really scored in fact he scored i think against yes he scored against rangers when we played that terrible rangers team in uh, the league cup semi-final but no he was a great player and i know we've talked about how lewis palmer uh, reminds us about uh a Chris commons like i think commons wasn't really a winger he was more a so uh, he was a kind of utility player because he played in midfield at times as well, and he played up front as well. I mean, he carried us in one of the boring seasons when Lenny was managing, I think, he got like 30 goals. I don't think, I don't know if he won player a year, I can't really remember that, but he was a very, very good player for us. And really, it's a pity that nowadays people don't seem to like him because for the amount of money we paid for him, he was an excellent signing. And... It's just a pity that he sadly talked crap about
3: us. Now I know that we uh, left off part one when we won 2-0 at Ibrox and then we would go to play Hamilton who I think at that time were bottom of the league. You know, beating Rangers one step forward but then we're taking two steps back when we drew against Hamilton, a team that we really should have been beating. It was more drop points. We've got no clips that we can rely on for this one so myself and John are going to have to go back to our uh, dangerous minds. What a found that was. Actually it was crap but anyway. Now, I'm pretty sure Hamilton did take the lead. We eventually, I think we scored a penalty late on. And then, do you remember, John, Lenny's reaction when I think a McGrew corner actually went out the park? Stokes headed it in and it got ruled out. Now, nowadays, I remember seeing the replay of that and I think the ball was out. So, VAR, would have said right away, right? That's not a goal. But do you remember the reaction for Lennon? Because I remember it was a biblical rage from him.
4: Unlike any of that. No, I think he went ballistic, he went ballistic in first because he thought we'd scored and then of course he went ballistic, he wouldn't get disallowed and I've actually got the, the stats here. There was three red cards, two Hamilton red cards, uh, Mensing and McAllister and James Forrest got sent off as well. So, Mensing scored for Hamilton as well, 28th minute, Stokes scored for us in 92nd minute and then it was Mul- it says here Stokes headed the ball into the net from McGrew's corner. But the assistant referee Judge the corner had curved out before the Irishman connected, so there you go. I three red cards. That's uh, I don't even remember that at all. What, what a strange game.
3: I mean, I can remember the goals very clearly. The Stokes penalty, of course, and then the one that was disallowed. But I can't remember James Forrest getting red carded. So I said two red cards in his career. Then I do remember one clearly against uh, Red Bull Salzburg under Brendan. We lost three one in 2018. Now there was the third game against Rangers of the season was approaching We were drawn against them in the cup And the run we went on was quite impressive We won five games in a row We did not concede a goal in the league draw. We beat Hibs away 3-0 We won 1-0 against Aberdeen at home Excellent performance against Hearts, who were like Mounting a wee mini-challenge of their own, you could say um, And I think we pretty much stopped them in their tracks Because they'd beaten Rangers the Saturday before playing us I do remember they brought a huge crowd through uh, We smashed them 4-0 and then an outstanding performance at Petaudry before we played Rangers in the Cup. We um, beat Aberdeen 3 nothing. Stokes and Hooper enjoyed their best form together um, as strikers in that season. Because obviously the 11-12 season, they were very impressive too. But I remember those run of games, Stokes and Hooper linked up so well. We scored a, a fantastic goal, again from memory, against Aberdeen. It was like a 1-2 and Hooper... Camley sort of slotted it under the goalkeeper to make it 1-0, the game against Hibbs Hooper scored a a great, like he took a touch, it was like Berkham-esque and then put it past the goalkeeper as well, quite a similar finish, but the 3 0 against Aberdeen, I think that was probably our most complete performance of the season, before we uh, battered Rangers later on in February that was a great performance up at Pataudry yes I know we beat Aberdeen 9-0, I know that generally uh, they weren't impressive but I think Celtic went there and played some fantastic football and I remember when we beat Aberdeen in 2017. Remember, Dembele scored two goals and Tierney scored a cracker. Very reminiscent of that performance in 2011. Just, in that wee run that we went on, some of the football we played, John, and i said it to you before, in that period of the season, was excellent.
4: It was excellent. And actually, that Aberdeen game, the highlights are online. And not to take away from how good we were that night, Aberdeen actually got a guy sent off after a minute, would you believe, for a last-man challenge on Scott Brown and Stokes missed apparently, but no, that was a brilliant pass, eh, a move between Hooper and Stokes, they did team up again for that goal against Hibbs, eh, Stokes actually scored twice in that game as well, against Aberdeen we beat them 1-0, eh, I think Stokes, well, Hooper put Stokes through, and actually we beat Aberdeen three times in just over a week, we beat them in the League Cup 4-1 when Commons eh, scored his debut, then beat them 1-0 at Celtic Park and beat them 3-0 Aberdeen. The, the win against Hearts was a, a good one as well because as you say Hearts were actually challenging us and I think they were five points behind us with a game in hand so if they'd have won that game they'd have been well in it but we hammered the phone. I remember James Forrest scored I think the first goal for like 30 yards that was like his first real big goal as a Celtic player and he's still scoring goals nowadays for his hood I thought that. But no, I mean, that, that was a really good run. Of course, the, we're going to talk about the epic cup game against Rangers in the Old Form World Series next. But, I mean, the the game's seem to become, like, thick and fast. And I mean, we're playing, like, most midweeks as well, but still, that we're playing that well. And it wasn't a chore, especially when you consider how the previous season on the Mawbury would be been shit, basically. But now, like, I don't think MD expected us to mount a serious challenge same as really an Andrews first season but we were playing excellent football and the fans were really getting behind Lenny and I think this was Lenny's best season as a manager and even though we didn't win the league but we played some really excellent football
3: now before we talk about that game against Rangers yes in the cup remember we actually went to Berwick Rangers as well in the cup and won 2-0 but what Celtic player made his debut and then would only make six more appearances before uh, leaving through the back door
4: the answer is of course Freddie Lundberg who, if uh, our younger listeners, if there are any, don't remember, was a phenomenal player in Arsene Wenger's, like, sort of first few seasons at Arsenal in, in London, that great, great city. Although, unbelievable enough, I have never been to Arsenal Stadium. Can you believe that? I mean, hopefully that'll end soon enough. Hopefully I'll get some freebies. <laughs> no doubt Arsenal fans, at least to But no, he was a great player for Arsenal. He played in that Invincible team. He played in an our team that won the double. Like Back then, when winning the double was, like, a, a big deal in England, he didn't just win it practically every year like Man City do. He was a great player, but his career was sort of on the the downside by the time he came to Celtic. He didn't start against Brady. I don't even think he started a game for us. I mean, it was a sort of, I think the only reason we bought him was because we had that injury crisis we talked about in the last pod, where we went to Ibrox with so many players out injured, where I think we're in a panic and thought we'll bring in Frehlenburg, he's an experienced player, he's got loads and loads of caps for Sweden, he's been a great player in his day, but didn't work out and as you say he left not long afterwards in fact this is unbelievable this is this is a charles joe hart situation do you know what freddie lundberg's actual real name is Carol, freddie frederick freddie lundberg imagine that so Carol lundberg wasn't it for celtic for long he actually played only seven games
3: it must be a weird swedish thing because henry larson's real he's shooting name isn't actually Henrik. no it's edward I wonder if people know that.
4: No, it's Edward Larson. He's un- un- unbelievable. And he, he, we signed him after he joined us on a trial. <laughs> Maybe we used to do that. That was always uh, interesting. He actually did start against the Rangers. Played 16 minutes. But no, he didn't really pull up any trees for us. It was just one of the gambles. I mean, we've done the trial signings before. I mean, Ivan de la Pena didn't sign after a trial, I remember. Rivaldo. Aye. No, we wanted to give Rivaldo a trial. That's right, aye. <laughs> Uh, yes I mean yes folks even back then in the 2000s Celtic were mad when it came to transfers like we tried maybe we tried to buy Saul Campbell as well he would fit in nowadays alright because uh, he's like retired no playing football man. I was going with a
3: Tory angle obviously
4: sorry as, as if the Celtic board would be Tories never but uh, that was just a a failure of him. But So many Celtic have had <laughs>
3: Right John, so we'll talk about the third game of the season Against Rangers, we went back to the Ibrox On the 6th of February 2011, in the Scottish Cup And we drew two each, reluctantly I have to say It was one of the best goals against us I've ever seen from a Rangers player Jamie Ness opened the scoring Just no keeper that's getting that, it was just one of the ones You just have to hold your hands up and say, what a strike It was ridiculous uh, And then I remember Chris Commons equalised as a geary. Cut inside, Ledley cut it back, and it was like Hooper and um, Commons were both going for the ball, but Commons went for it, put it past McGregor, and then that was the game where we went down to 10 men. I think Fraser Foster got sent off for hauling down Naismith, Zaluska came on and Zaluska did what he always does and doesn't save penalties, I think he's the worst record. And then uh, Joe Hartley, least Joe Hart's actually saved two penalties, to my knowledge, Zaluska never once saved a penalty at Celtic, so... Whitaker made it 2 1. Half time, you're resigning yourself to defeat. I mean, this is a decent Rangers side, as we know. Up against 10 men at Ibrooks, you really couldn't see Celtic coming back from it. I think it, a lot of us at that game were just thinking, look, as long as it doesn't turn into a drubbing. Off the top of my head, the last time we went down to 10 men at Ibrooks in a similar situation was the Martin O'Neill game in 2000, November. We don't want to lose 5 1, unless you can think of any other examples. But I think that was just what I was going through in my mind as a fan, just. Don't get a tank in, take them again in a few weeks in the league. But John, something remarkable happened. Uh, Neil Lennon tactically outwitted Walter Smith in Celtic, quite honestly. Should have won that game?
4: Yeah, I mean, Walter Smith was a good manager for Rangers and especially Scotland. I mean, that was a poor Scotland team. He took over and he like, got some great results. Obviously, he spent more money than any other manager, but he still was a good manager on his day. But Neil Lennon just got the better of him tactically. I mean... Looking at this game and the the game against Rangers a couple of weeks later that we'll talk about in a wee while. we brilliant tactics, but Neil Lennon, I mean, they couldn't cope being against 10 men. I said the team that, really, if you're thinking about it logically, should have just been finished and we should have lost that game like 3 or 4-1. But the team were just solid and Samaras especially. I know everybody talks about that Bruni goal and his uh, subtle celebration against the other subtle guy. El to two very subtle guys, Scott Brown and El there. They, they weren't sort of guys that caused trouble and try and fight with people and that, no chance. Oh, that was just a, a great performance. I, mean, I don't really want to talk about the Bruni because, well, it's been done to death, but it's more about how well we played. in Samaras especially, he actually didn't start that game, interestingly enough, it was Berem Kyle. He came on for on 60-second minute. And all I remember is that he just absolutely gave Weir and Bouguera no chance at all. They just couldn't handle him. And it was really one of Celtic's best performances at uh, the they, they, This re, this game and the 2-0 earlier, the month before, are two of Celtic's best performances at Ibrox, really, in the last 20 years, I'd say. I mean, it should be remembered as well that Stephen Smith later got sent off in the game for a, a second yellow card for diving. Imagine the hearts manager doing that. Never, never terrible. But it was just a, a brilliant performance, and it is just a pity that Lennon never reached the heights tactically again with Celtic. I mean, okay, we did well the next season to win the league, and we were on that brilliant, like, unbeaten run. We did beat Barcelona, but that was probably more down to Fraser Forster playing one of the greatest games in Celtic history, but really, tactically, Lennon was never the same manager, and really, he isn't a very good manager anymore. I mean, he did well, of course, they won us the, the treble when he came back, although we were like eight or nine points clear, so we we're always going to win the league when he came in. But no, it's just a pity that, really, is not a good manager anymore. And if he did, like, take a job again soon, I mean, he's been linked with clubs. I just don't think he'd do very good anymore. And really, I mean, everybody knows that we've not always been the biggest fans of Neil Lennon as a manager. But back then, it really, like, we would got a really good manager on our hands. And, like, it really was tactically excellent. And, I don't know, I think that Inverness game, what we'll talk about in the next part of this series really I think done a number on him and I don't know if he's recovered from it but no it's just a pity that he never hit the heights again because at one stage incredible enough as it sounds he looked like he was going to be a really really good manager do you agree with
3: that? I would agree with that I remember after that game saying to myself could Martin O'Neill Gordon Strachan Venglos Jansen have done that and the answer is probably no it's, it's definitely up there as one of his best achievements John I was so surprised when he got that result Ledley I remember it was fantastic. Izagiri outstanding. And the way that he utilised Mark Wilson and Izagiri that game. Like the two of them. Well, see the way Rangers are now actually. Where they're just like, they have an over-reliance on the wide men. Like Celtic did at that game where it was just like Wilson and Izagiri Totally dominated and took us right up the pitch. And Rangers were camped in with 11 men. For all that Lennon has wound me up ever since. Not bitter enough to say that um, I don't respect what he did for us back then. That was a, a phenomenal result. Do you remember Water Smith used to give Ali McCoy's the Cup games? It was McCoy's that took the team for the cup?
4: Wink wink. he really, I really think Water Smith probably took more charge. I mean, come on, look at how crap a manager Alan McCoy it to be. I know they always said that, but and McCoy's they did interviews after the cup games, but I think that I don't think Water Smith just sat in the stands and was like, Oh no, I'm not having a I'm not playing a part in this. Ali, you just do everything, I'll just, I'll just sit there while we're getting beat, I while we're struggling to beat Celtic. No, I mean, I think what's did to play a part in their games, I'm sure uh, some liars that we know, I'll tell us differently.
3: Thanks for that there, John. I uh, look forward to hearing you on the Rangers review next week. There was the match in the league and Celtic ran out 3-0 winners. John, I know that we have battered Rangers in recent years under Ange, uh, and Brendan as well, but before then... That result against them at home was just pure and utter dominance. Gary Hooper scored two and then Chris Commons added a third. That was a game, John, where it really could have been six or seven. Celtic were absolutely superb that day. The first goal by Hooper where he took a phenomenal first touch. Went past old man Davey Weir and then it was a fantastic finish past uh, Alan McGregor. Second one, Samaras, plays an inch-perfect pass to the on Russian Azagiri, Puts across the ball, I think first time, or he might have took a, a touch, Sent it across Goal and Gary Hooper. Like, it's the quickest I've seen him, actually. They uh, outpaced two defenders and they put it into the back post. But the atmosphere was, like, rocking out. I'm, now, I'm pretty sure that Sky cameras actually, um, there was footage of that where Celtic Park actually, like, bouncing because the fans were doing the huddle and we were thinking, just can't get enough and everything that season too. I think, you'll have to look back on YouTube, but I'm, I'm very sure that there is footage of Celtic Park, quite literally, uh, rocking and it was just an amazing atmosphere. And you could say, John, after the you know, after the, the crap with the Mowbray season and the 0-8-0-9 season under Strachan, where we just felt absolutely exhausted. This season and this game, you could really see that's when the atmosphere was back at Celtic Park again after like two dull seasons watching Celtic.
4: Well, there was no doubt Water Smith was a manager on this game. And again Lenny just beat him tactically and we never hammered Watersmith teams when he was rangers manager like first or second time i mean the games were usually close it was an easy victory so comfortable and that rangers team as you say david weir who hooper just completely steamrolled for the first goal they looked knackered and old and tired that rangers team and everybody knew that was Watersmith's last season is ma- going to be water last season as manager and i think he confirmed that no long after this game so i don't know after that game i thought we're going to win this league eight points clear and we'd played two games more than Rangers. They had two games in hand, obviously. And I thought, we're going to do this. We're going to win the league. Because we just looked unstoppable. Of course, I didn't turn it that way. But no, that was such a, a brilliant performance. One of, our, one of our best performances at Celtic Park against Rangers. i I'd say it's even better than like some of the hammerings that Ange... Well, actually, no Ange because that was, when we beat Rangers 3-0 under Ange especially, that was sort of on a par with this game. When a Brendan Rodgers team hammered, like Rangers, that was a rubbish Rangers team. But this was a good Rangers team that obviously won't have won the league. And the fact that we beat them so easily just said a lot about this team and how quickly it all gelled together. And again, Millenard looked like a great manager. But then, a week later, it all started going wrong.
2: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChumbaCasino.com. Welcome to the family.
0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18+.
3: Yes, I'd actually managed to wipe that from memory, so thanks for that, John. But yes, for the, um, the purpose of this podcast, we do need to talk about that game... For Park, which probably was the turning point in that season because Rangers, as you say, they looked done, they looked finished, uh, and we're letting them back in. it As Celtic tend to do, John, with Rangers, historically. Yes, we went to Firth Park and uh, John Sutton scored after a couple of minutes, thanks to Charlie McGroon and Fraser Foster, both with one of the most calamitous mix-ups I've seen in some time. And then he scored the second-half penalty. And then, truth be told, Celtic just never turned up that game from the team only a, a week earlier they were up for it from the start against Rangers you know you had guys like Kyle Bartley getting wound up with Scott Brown El Hadjouf, uh retreated into the shell of the wind up he was as well in this game John Sutton just bullied us and Murrow or were they winners and that sadly let Rangers right back in I think they'd maybe won the day before, an unconvincing one uh, against St Mirren, and I remember looking uh, on a forum, as I usually do, obsessed Celtic fan here, and the fans were just raging at the performance and saying Celtic, were going to run over the top of Motherwell, but no, we didn't, it was a real disappointment, and again, it was just very much like the last one against Rangers, John, when we went to Ibrox and beat them, and then we drew a game at Hamilton when We really should have been winning it. North Lanarkshire, just we didn't turn up there at all that season.
4: Your memory's playing tricks on you a wee bit because Rangers beat St. Johnson eh, for for nothing that day. But here's an interesting bit. I'm just looking at the BBC website, the report and the game. And listen to this. This will shock you about a Neil Lennon side. Celtic winner Chris Commons thought that the players had underestimated Motherwell. I thought we were a little bit complacent. Celtic players under Neil Lennon underestimating another team? I, I just don't believe this, surely the players wouldn't have gone out and get drunk after the Rangers game or anything like that, I, I, I'm just suggesting that, I'm no saying that it happened but surely that wouldn't have happened, right Stevie?
3: <laughs> no, it does, does not sound like a Neil Lennon Celtic team John, not at all
4: No, I mean as if they would underestimate a team Lenny said that, actually no, this is what Lenny said, this, this is unlike Lenny. No excuses, we were setting best, we were poor There you go, like, he usually used to blame referees all the time and all that but No, we were absolutely rubbish that day, and then of course, so that of course made the gap five points, with Rangers having two games in hand, and of course if they'd won them, they'd have went a point ahead, so more in the title race to come in a wee while.
3: For the rest of the games, up until the split, Celtic won um, every match, they won five out of five, beating Hamilton 2-0, Hibs 3-1, which was a midweek game when I think Liam Miller scored a penalty against us too, St Mirren 1-0 was a really edgy game. Commons again scored like about 10 minutes to go. But the game against St Johnston, and that was midweek. It was like a five past six kickoff on ESPN. Uh, John, remind the listeners on this one, what mental event occurred against St Johnston in the 1-0 win late into the second half and I've already tens game and an already 10 season.
4: Yeah, but I think it was Michael Dewberry, ex of Chelsea, if my memory is right, was playing for St Johnston. And it literally, like, practically picked the ball up in the penalty box. I'm no exaggerating, he practically picked the ball up and the referee, who I don't remember who it was, let's just say a useless bloke, was like, he genuinely froze and didn't know what to do. Like he was confused and he didn't give the penalty. He genuinely p- picked the ball up. Ian Brains was the referee, that wonderful referee, and it was just absolutely bizarre They didn't give the penalty. It was Benham Kyle that scored 45th uh, minute this game was played at 6 o'clock because of the Champions League. And actually, as you see, a number of footballs come onto the pitch at the field of play to cause confusion. As part of fans' protest at the 6 o'clock kick-off. I forgot about that. But, eh, uh, Daryl Murphy actually started the game with Samaras up front. There you go. What a, what a strange game. And actually, that game was the week before the Scottish Cup semi-finals, where St. Johnston actually played Motherwell, Motherwell won. And we played Aberdeen and won 4 nothing. And I believe the guy sent him off in that game as well, I think. But uh, no, that was uh that was just an utterly ridiculous moment. Even by the standards of bad decisions against Celtic. I think cause like the highlights for this season of hard to come by, it was just genuinely genuinely insane.
3: Yes, well, speaking of insane, John, the fourth game against Rangers, it really did have it all, and that is not a cliche, is it? In the Scottish Cup game on the second of March. Remember, of course, the first game ended in a 2-2 draw. Ibrox Celtic down to 10 men. Rangers ended this game with uh, 8 men. But okay, uh, where do we start, John? We could be on this one for the next half hour. So let's try and condense this for the listeners as much as possible. Mark Wilson scores. Uh, Sasa Papach gets knocked out. Stephen Whittaker was sent off uh, for the second bookable offence in the first half. Maju Bouguera was sent off. Just before full-time. And then El Jouf uh, get a second caution as well. So yeah, Rangers were down to eight men. But amazingly, that was not the most mind-blowing event of this game. John, I'll leave it over to you for uh, what happened between two managers that ended up, quite honestly, changing Scottish football. One of the most bizarre things we've seen in this country.
4: Well, those two very calm individuals, uh, Neil Lennon and Ali McCoys, who was quote-unquote in charge of Rangers uh, that night. Had a, a set two in the touchline. Well, the pair of them ended up arguing with each other. I mean, it was no big deal, nothing that you haven't seen before in a, a Celtic Rangers game, I mean Celtic Rangers games have been intense before, but the good old Scottish Government who we would never criticise, reacted rather ridiculously to this moment and the fact that there was three red cards. Well, I mean, as if there's no been red cards in Celtic Rangers games before, but Alex Salmond, who of course isn't a bad guy at all, right? he decided to cause a call a summit after this game to deal with the aftermath of really what was not that bad an incident. There's been a lot of worse moments in football. But no, the reaction really was ridiculous. I mean, okay, there was three red cards, big deal. That's happened before in Celtic Rangers game. I think there's been games with four red cards. The managers had an argument, big deal. There's been arguments between football managers and Celtic Rangers games since... Time started. But It was just ridiculous, and good old SNP who would never criticise really did drop the ball on that. I mean, I would hate. I mean, imagine if the SNP had a, a huge vote about something very important just three years later. Imagine if that cost some votes the ridiculous attitude towards uh, towards football. Football fans, especially, that that would be really stupid at the end, wouldn't it, Stevie?
3: I do hate the fact that this is turning into a, a political show. Uh, I know we're losers, but we're not that bad, are we? As you say, uh, it was a massive, massive overreaction that I've seen way worse in football around the world, and it's just one of these things that happens in, in the heat of the game. Uh, it's three dead cards and two managers arguing. But yet the SNP then used that instant to create that offensive behaviour at football and threatening communications act. I mean, the amount of football fans that that fucked over was ridiculous. It was got to the point that, you know, people's lives were being ruined and this was all done just simply because politicians couldn't understand why people are passionate and maybe lose their ag sometimes at football. Fans do it, players do it, managers do it. You've seen people in the, the boardrooms and all that doing it and yet they basically weaponised this. Um, they brought out a pretty draconian act. And again, I'm keeping it very brief because we're on the political show and we never will be, thankfully. But it was massive overreaction, John. And, you know, it, it ruined a lot of people's um, lives. Whether it's it doesn't matter if it's Celtic fans or fans of the other teams in Scotland. A lot of people were fucked over. Just by that act, because of what happened in that game.
4: Nothing happened in that game that has not been seen before a Celtic Rangers game. I, I'm just, I'm just glad that it wasn't any, uh, was any repercussions of that game. Eh, Look, there wasn't any, any incidents that happened like with fans' lives being ruined. Oh no, there was. Oh well, that's enough politics, as Ben Elton would say. Back to football, and another Celtic defeat to talk about. Oh good.
3: Yes, and that was on March the twentieth, twenty eleven. Hmm. Something about that date that really sticks out to me, but I don't know what.
4: It was it by any chance your birthday, was it, Stephen?
3: I was, yeah, I turned 26 on that day. Um, my granda got me a ticket for my birthday. What a guy, hero. Uh, me, him and my uncle were all at Hamden as Celtic. Yes, dropped the ball yet again and handed the initiative and momentum. All to Rangers when they lost 2-1 in the League Cup final.
4: And it was a game we deserved to lose, really, we just didn't turn up. Our, uh, our favourite manager, Lenny, was barred. From the dugout, and so he was sitting in the stands and we were rubbish. I mean, I think Rangers, Rangers school first through Stephen Davis. We equalised not long later with a Joe edley header, but we just didn't dominate the game that we had. We dominated that cup tie, we dominated the 3 0 league game and that 2 Each Cup game, but we'd, we just didn't really turn up. I mean, there was an incident in that game as well where. I think it was Thomas Rogne who fouled uh, Jelovic in the box and the referee gave a penalty then changed his mind. Can you believe that? A referee changed his mind and not gave Rangers a penalty in the Cup Final. Yes, a miracle can happen. But no, we just didn't play well at all that day. We didn't create that many chances and all I remember about extra time was two things. One, Fraser Force made one of the best saves I've ever seen for a Jelovic free kick that took a deflection and he had to twist his body. And made just an amazing save on the top of the bar, and then the Rangers' winning goal was sort of sort of funny in a tragic comic way. Uh, if you went and briefly talk about that,
3: they took a quick free kick. Uh, I think it was that oh, we Cretin, Vladimir Weiss. He sent Yelovits through. Mulgrew was sleeping, and then like it, it went. It it was like slow motion. It seemed to take like an age to go in. Izaguirre tried to stop the ball in the line and sort of bounced off the post and then bounced out and then the spin took it back into the goal and just Izagiri couldn't get the ball out from under his feet and get it back into play and yeah I think he ended up falling into the net like David Marshall style against Czech Republic 2021 Euros, that was just uh, as you say a game Celtic didn't turn up I remember just everything about that being flat a few things from that game uh, Izagiri getting sent off was amazing because he just did a reset didn't he I think Vice was going through to make it 3-1 and he just cleaned him out I think he was sending through. and I'm glad that to get sent off and it only turned out to be 2-1 because had just scored to make it 3-1 uh, I probably wouldn't have turned up to games for the rest of the season that would have ended me hated him but it was all part of the busy of that season wasn't it I remember Fraser Foster for the first goal was shocking he took an eternity to get down for that Davis goal and the Hamden pitch itself I don't know what it was I'm not using this as an excuse uh, I'm not Lenny you would have been at the game too but the pitch was like rock hard. It just seemed as if it was like worn down. But I just remember that pitch, John City Rangers, more than it does. And it was just it just seemed like rock hard and a terrible surface that day.
4: I don't remember the surface. I just remember the old defenders were in It was Rogney and Mulgrew. They just couldn't handle Yelvich. Who I don't know if people remember. He was a, a very good player for Rangers one of the last signings they made like big signings they made before they went bust but no i don't remember the pitch i just didn't think we played well like gary hooper was quiet and samaras who had destroyed rangers umpteen times that season didn't do much but no it was a bad result because it i mean rangers had already got that boost we are floating at motherwell we sort of re took the lead mentally wise by beating them in a cup but then we just gave them another huge boost. Oh, but it was more twists and turns because we were originally meant to play Inverness in March, but it get cancelled. Rangers played Dugget at home on the same day and lost 3-2. David Goodwillie scored in the 90th minute, so the league table looked like, after 28 games, Celtic 67 points, Rangers 65, so we were batting advantage again. It was a a very strange season, and we were miles ahead in goal difference as well. Nine goals ahead and two points ahead with ten games to go, so if we just kept on the 11th and won at least nine of the last ten games and avoided defeat at Rangers, because we had to play them, obviously, after the split, then we would win the league. Watch this space to see what happens, listeners.
3: Yeah, I do remember that rescheduled game against Inverness, actually, but speaking of them, we did go up to Inverness in March after the quotation marks coming here John, shame game against Rangers that we won 1-0 yeah we went to Inverness, we were getting beat 1-0 and then Joe Ledley scored a double in midweek, really impressive win and then we went to Hamden again where we played Aberdeen, we beat them 4-0 and we beat them 4-1 Chris Collins debut in the League Cup where we scored four first half goals, in this semi-final in the Scottish Cup at Hamden we beat them again although it was four second half goals I don't really remember much of that John although I think we did get a penalty but I don't remember it being a scorching day, I had a crap view at Hamden. everything about it was rubbish, but Celtic did go through to a final, and yet here I am complaining.
4: Unlike you, I know. I, it was f- nothing each at time. we didn't miss a penalty, eh, Constantine got sent off for a last man challenge, Stokes apparently saved by that not very good goalie Jamie Langfield. But we did end up winning easily, McGrew, Ledley, Commons and Maloney, and we were through to play Motherwell in the scottish cup final first scottish cup final against motherwell since i think something like the 1950s we'd obviously played them in a, a famous or rather infamous semi-final in 1991 but we somehow managed to lose 4-2 we beat them in a league cup semi-final as well uh eh, in 2006 i think but no we hadn't played them in a scottish cup final uh eh, for a long long time and then we were we were set to play that team supported by such legends as tam cohen
3: before we go we do have to address the further insanity of what happened before we played Cone for the last game before the split. But here's a wee bit of trivia to break things up for you, John. A wee quiz. What was the biggest song of 2011?
4: Oh, goodness. Uh, Can I get a clue?
3: Well, this isn't a clue. It's pretty much giving you the answer, but let's just say uh, my laptop is her.
4: Your laptop is her? Um, You'll need to tell me. Adele? Oh, my God.
3: That is terrible. <laughs> it was that rolling in the deep.
4: That's one of your better ones.
3: Right, okay. And I know you're not much of a gamer, and I am. 2011 in video games. Do you know which was the biggest selling game of 2011?
4: Is it a Mario Brothers game or a Metal Gear Solid game? No,
3: no, no, it is not. It is a superhero game.
4: Arkham Asylum?
3: Batman Arkham City. What a game.
4: All right, okay. I only remember Arkham Asylum, the first one. Did you play that? I used to play it in my mate Davies' house, who I used to go to games with, uh, in this era, in fact. But uh, no, in fact, he gave up his season ticket by then. But no, I used to uh, play that in his eye uh, when we used to watch the games.
3: We'll finish up by talking about a game in midweek where Celtic went to Kilmarnock. They won 4 0 on the pitch. Absolutely superb. Um, Hoover and Commons were in outstanding form. It was the same night of the Copa del Rey final. Real Madrid beat Barca 1 0. Ronaldo scored, I think it was at the Mestalla. because like, it was a Mosquito at the time the old mosquito, and the Celtic game on one screen, the Copa del Rey on the other, and the crowd I was with, it was like mixed, so some were watching the Spanish game, myself and others in the in the team for Sunday's birthday were watching the Celtic one, but I, I mean, on the pitch we were great, but it was overshadowed, John, by some quite ugly scenes, just a day beforehand, actually.
4: Well, the story broke, I think, actually on the day of the game, uh, the 20th of April, and well, it's hard to believe now looking back, but parcel bombs were sent to Neil Lennon, eh, Paul McBride, who was uh, Lennon's lawyer, and eh, Trish Godman, who was the former Deputy Presiding Officer at the Scottish Parliament. They actually got sent to uh, Lennon at Lennox Town, and that was, the, it says here, on the Celtic Wiki on the 26th of March, then the 28th of uh, March to the uh, Godman, the Labour MP, and then uh, Paul McBride as well. And the Paul McBride one was addressed to a a, a faculty of advocates in Edinburgh. So it was just crazy, really, that that actually happened. And, I don't know, thankfully there's been nothing like that since in Scottish football. And, like, the Scottish police, I'm reading an article about it, the Scottish police, like, asked for a voluntary news blackout when reporters, like, asked them to confirm it it's just really unbelievable i know what we use was like unbelievable a lot in this great podcast but that really was unbelievable and thankfully nothing like that has happened since and hopefully nothing like that happens again and of course just i mean a couple of days after this story came out we of course were playing rangers and the last game of the old fun world series at ibrox in a game which a lot of people thought was going to decide the league so it was a, a pretty Crazy time, really, and thankfully, Scottish football seems to have left those days in the past. But no, it was just such a bizarre season, and that was just another example. Of it. And when we come to part three next week. It gets even more bizarre, but this time, thankfully, it's bizarre on the pitch.
3: This has been GigPod Rewind, part two, season 2010-2011 from a Celtic perspective. Reedzo, so, thanks for coming on. Cheers for reliving some of the uh, mad memories that I thought we'd never have to talk about again. I will see you from the Murderbowl game, we're going to do a review, aren't we?
4: We are, yes. So, thanks everybody for listening. You know what it gets us by now. Remember, like and subscribe, 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 as Tony Blair would say. On the on all the podcast platforms, Apple Podcast, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcast, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. You can follow Stevie on Instagram at GigPod. where I'll put up one of my readzo picks the team type things on Saturday before we play Munster. And we'll we'll be back with a review of the Monal game at the weekend, before we and a preview of the Lazio game before we do part three in this series next week and then we'll have tons more podcasts between then and the January break it's going to be football non-stop and gig pod non-stop you lucky lucky listeners so thanks today for listening as we relieve some just mad memories of season 2010 2011 we'll be back with part three next week but we'll be back as CL to go back in league action this weekend with another podcast speak to you all soon thanks everybody for listening and hail hail <laughs>
0: Podcast Network.